Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. Over the past 25 years, Richard A. Grounds, PhD, has worked with UK elders to create new and young speakers. An article by Dr. Grounds on UK language revitalization in the face of intellectual colonialism appears in Indigenous Languages and the Promise of Archives from the University of Nebraska Press. In this podcast, Cultural Survival's Adriana Hernandez met with Dr. Richard Grounds at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues, which is currently underway in New York. Um, I would like to um, I would like to ask you to introduce yourself, share a little bit more of the work that you're doing in language activism and languages revitalization, and the community that you're coming from. No kaju, kanokani tahi no kopeita. I'm Shushpa in our Uchi language. Um, we work with our elders to carry our language forward and try to um, work in our community to grow new young speakers of our language. And um, that's, and then we also try to work with other, uh, in whatever ways we can, support other indigenous nations in our region, in our area, and around the country, and uh, anything we can do internationally as well to support. But it's all a balancing act because we, our priority is always our own community, but um, because we have to carry our language forward, but we also want to be able to support where we can for others. Thank you very much. And for the audience who doesn't know what an immersion program is, uh, could you highlight some of the important points um, that people need to know in order to start running an immersion school in terms of uh, resources, in in, uh, in terms of time? Like, is it sustainable for how many years and how much capacity of staff members do you think is needed to run an immersion program? Well, uh the, the broad divide, I'll say, the important point is in order to grow new fluent speakers, people who can speak the language, who can hear the language, who can interact with elders, who can, in effect, carry the language forward, uh, the colonial model mostly gets that backwards. Uh, they want to come and create dictionaries and tie up the time of the elders so that they're documenting the language, recording it, writing it all down, take all the time of the elders to do this. And I have to say, I, I admit, um, you know, I have a big fat French Cassell's dictionary. My French is lousy, right? I mean, I can, do I need to prove it any further? I don't think so. But, you know, the idea is the kind of colonial concept is we need to document, we need the dictionary. But what we're saying is, no, actually, we need to grow new speakers in our communities, new young people to carry the fullness of the language forward. 
that can only be done through immersion. You don't get that out of a dictionary. You don't get that out of just trying to read the language. You get that out of breath to breath, face to face, learning from cultural bearers of the language, of the knowledge, of the history, people who embody your traditions of your own community, your own people. That's where you need to learn it, not from a dictionary that, you know, some academic who's not part of the community has, how they've defined the words and how they've written them down in the colonial language. There's something pretty backwards about that process. So that's the first level. We have to have immersion in order to grow new, culturally competent, fluent speakers of our languages. The two main paths to immersion are, as you were mentioning, um, the immersion schools, which is a really important model if your community has the resources, the financial resources, the cultural resources, the language capacity to develop an immersion school, um, then you're growing a new uh, group of students all learning together at the same time so they can interact and carry the language forward. Um, and that process <clears throat> is um, really important because basically what you're doing is you're taking the main instrument, the main cudgel used in the colonial process to, to beat down our elders, to stop our languages, the education system, the colonial education system um, was used to uh, mostly through uh, boarding schools, residential schools, draw our kids, and even public schools um, to uh, as vehicles, as instruments to stop our languages, to stop our songs, to stop the, the purpose of the boarding schools was precisely to get kids out of the homes, away from their elders. That was the point of the boarding school, to get them away from their community so they could be brainwashed in this new educational system and taken away from their dances, their songs, their ceremonies. So um, the idea of the uh, immersion, indigenous language immersion school is that you take the instrumentality of the educational structure and then you instead repurpose it to support our language, to do all the teaching in our languages. and. Uh, but that means you need to be ready to develop language materials in geography, in mathematics, in um, history, and you know. So, to whatever extent the, the courses that you're teaching and educating about, uh, then you need to have that. They'll develop those kind of resources, and that's normally done, you know, uh, like the, the program in uh, the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma. You know, they started uh, with K-3. Let's put together a program for 10 or 12 kids and, you know, develop the teaching materials, the, the lesson plans, the methodology, the meeting space, everything we need for this one cohort of kids. Then by the next year, you bring in a new group of K-3 learners, but then you develop the materials for K-4 and then K-5, and you, so you develop your immersion program, and uh, they've gone up to date great, I think, with that. Thank you very much. And um, just to, to um, if, if you can share with us, like, how many, in, in your experience in the Juchi community, 
um, how many staff members are involved in the in the program? Well, I guess it varies a little bit in terms of how grassroots the immersion program is. Uh, something like the Aquasasne School uh, or the Mohawk Lakewood, they're very grassroots. It was parents who said, we want our kids to be learning our language and carrying on our traditions, not just being brainwashed in the uh, colonial education system. And so you can do it fairly low-key with fairly low numbers, um, but it uh, does require you know, some significant funding. You need some administrative staff, you need hands-on teachers, um, and ideally for an immersion school, typically you may have second language learners who um, are running the classroom, organizing the classroom uh, experience, and then elders who are in the room to provide uh, more in-depth language to pray, play that, uh, that grandparent role to the kids uh, during, the, during the day of the, of the classes. Um, and so you're going to have to have, you know, it depends on the size of the operation, but, uh, you know, you have, would have some administrative, uh, ideally you would have elders in the, uh, in the school and you would have, uh, probably second language learners to help carry off the, the full slate of daily activities. Uh, so, you know, you're going to need, you know, uh, 10 or 12 staff to organize you know a small a small school um, and uh, like the, the school at Brighton the immersion school there they were able to have elders present all day for the kids as they came up from um, they tried to start literally pre-verbal and just continued their educational system all the way through um, the kindergarten level up through the early grades um, and um, so that's one approach that can be very effective. The advantages of it, one of the main strengths is that you're taking the, the instrument of the all-day educational system that was used to stop our languages and you're reversing it and you're saying we're going to do everything in our language through those immersion schools. Part of the challenge there, of course, is that you don't necessarily want to trade off too much to the state requirements about educational objectives and what have you so that you may hollow out the significance of your uh, community-based, uh, culturally-based educational system. Um, even though you're doing it in the language, what, are, what is the messaging, what, what is the uh, objective that you're pursuing. So, you know, there's ongoing challenge, challenges in whatever method you the biggest challenge, of course, with uh, an immersion school is that, you know, you need physical space, you need um, desks, you need papers, you need, you know, heating and cooling and administrative and, um, you know, maintenance and, you know, so it's it's a larger project. However, uh, the complete opposite end of the scale for most communities are not positioned to open an immersion school. But, um, and that's the master apprentice approach is the most effective 
way of growing new speakers. This would allow you uh, to grow those uh, parents or young people who themselves can become the instructors in the school or other uh, approaches that you might want to use. But the master apprentice approach is really almost kind of uh, the opposite of the uh, immersion school. You don't have to have desks. You don't have to have a building. You don't have to have any playground space or, or open you know, woods that you can teach the kids on the, the curriculum based around the natural cycles and the uh, traditional uh, cultural practices. Um, you simply get together with elders in their homes, at the store, um, you know, uh, whatever activities are going on in the community, then the apprentices are learning from the elder speakers. Uh, and so it's low budget. You don't have to have books. You don't have to have curriculum. You don't have to have a desk. And um, in the full method, you're not actually writing it down. You're not even relying on pencils and paper. You're speaking breath to breath with elders and absorbing the language through that process. So the payoff in both of these methods is uh, keyed around having enough time in the language for it to start really becoming natural to the learner. So if you don't spend enough time, if you don't stay with it over time, uh, then it's going to be uh, mostly, most of it will be lost if you don't stay with it uh, over time and if you don't spend enough time on a daily and weekly basis. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter.